Nolan, do you know what rhymes with the dating website Bumble? No, actually I don't. Rumble. Rumble? Wait, like Rumble Boxing in Vancouver? Yes, sir. Oh, shit. Yeah, and for all our listeners who are wanting to try it out, we have a discount code for um, first-time training in apparel for the rest of 2020. Interesting. What is it? The code is PNC20. Now, Kiel, where can I enter that code in? You got to use PNC20 at the website rumbleboxing.com to save that money. Go get your sweat on, guys. That's for all of you. Yeah, big up. Okay, guys, today was a really good one. My first uh, PNC episode without Nolan, so obviously I miss the kid. He's kind of uh, the heart and soul of this podcast, but unfortunately um, he couldn't be here in Maui, but uh, the show has to go on. So I had the opportunity to sit down with Meta World Peace, who, um, for those of you who do not know, was a NBA superstar, um, kind of, you know, been through a lot of stuff in his life was kind of the bad boy of the nba and then turned his life around and kind of um made a made a new name for himself and kind of changed his whole image and we had a really good conversation about you know where he is now in the business world and kind of you know reflecting on his time in the nba and and everything in between um it was really kind of inspiring and to be honest, I was a little bit starstruck in the conversation. So if you hear me stumbling a bit, that's that's why the guy is a, is a legend. The guy, you know, even though we're close to the same age, I remember watching him uh, play ball. And it was like, this guy, <laughs> I mean, he's all hustle, all heart. You know, can be aggressive at moments, but had a, a ton of skill as well. So it was a really good conversation. I hope you guys enjoy. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. Alright guys, welcome to another episode of PNC, episode 35. We're coming to you live from the island of Maui. Uh, so forgive me if you hear a little you know, background noise, uh, wind, ocean, birds and whatnot. But we're outside on a beautiful island, because why not? And today we are blessed and I'm very helpful, happy to welcome the one, the only, MetaWorld Peace. How you doing, hey. brother? Thanks for having me. Yeah, right? yeah, no problem. Yeah, exciting time, time, time. First of all, something that I didn't know, which I'm not sure many people back home know, is that you're not actually retired. I'm not. You're not. Yeah. So you could. We talked about it about the other day. You, if you wanted to get back in shape and game ready, you could go back into the league. Definitely. It would take me about a year. A year. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar, like. If you wanted to get like in tip-top shape, oh no! For me, I'm I'm done. I'm done. It would take me like I have to go backwards five years. Yeah. Okay. I see. What you're yeah. So. It would take me actually maybe eighteen months. Eighteen months. If I really wanted to try to come back, yeah, and play at a good level, yeah, like yeah. eighteen months. Has that ever crossed your mind? It did. Yeah. And it still does. Yeah. But you know, the NBA is like politics. So if they don't want you, you're gonna they're gonna say, okay, you can still play basketball, but you're not playing here. So at that point, no more fans, no more people rooting for you. So I was like, I'm not as motivated. Yeah. So, you know, so was that a big part for you? The like the kind of interaction with the fans, and especially with now with COVID, yeah. you you see them playing and there's no fans in the arena, and obviously you didn't get to experience that. But how do you think? You think that's a plays a big part of it? Yeah, it does. Early on in the career, it was just like you play and you grind, whatever. 
but you play 18 years in the NBA, dude, that's your life. Yeah. Right? Like the fans, the the pub, yeah. everything that comes with it. Yeah. And you expect to play at that level. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, but I still love the game, so I'm going to still play. I don't really need to be in front of thousands of people every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, you yeah. truly love the game. Yeah. So you, but you played in that big three league, right? Yeah. How was that experience? Big three was great. I mean, they paid people like ten thousand a game. Oh wow! Big drop off from NBA, but it was still cool because we played for free anyway. Yeah. Right. So they made. I think they made some decent money as a business, and then the fans loved it because they got a chance to see Allen Iverson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Manuel Peace came back. Jermaine O'Neal. You know, all these old-time players. So was it like a mini draft that you guys kind of all got pulled from, and then? Yeah, well, it was um, well, like people like myself just pretty much made the team, and then they took a couple other people, big tryout, and then they got a chance to play, and it was good for like guys like Franklin Sessions, who's like a LA, he's known in LA, yeah, but never had the chance to play pro, but good enough. I got you. So he built his name up. And gave him some exposure. So a guy like him went to China, went overseas, and made more money. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's it was a, good. kind of an exposure for the guys that were kind of on the cusp mm-hmm. of making the show. Yeah. That's amazing. So that was only one season, right? And then COVID hit, and so they canceled season two. And there's going to be another season. It was actually three seasons. Okay. Because I played in the second season. Okay. Then the third season last year, I forget who won. Um, and then, and then yeah, this season was canceled. Okay, but it's going to carry on in the future. I'm sure, yeah. But you only played one year? I played one year. Do you get the option to sign on for more, or was it just kind of a one It was one a, For me, it was a one-off because, um, you know, 10000 added up to $100,000, and then I'm leaving the family. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like a ton of money. Yeah. Um, I thought they could have paid more. Yeah. You know, uh, it, was like a big, it was a big production. I bet. So I feel like they could have saved money and paid the players more versus... This big production, big arenas, and all this yeah. stuff. You don't really need it. Yeah. Because the people's going to watch regardless. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Um, what about coaching? You thought about coaching? I love coaching. I love coaching, and I'm, I'm coaching now. I'm coaching on uh, the X vs. X Sports app. Um, I'm actually coaching coaches and players. Yeah, in the NBA, I want to be a head coach, and you have to work your way up, but not everybody do. Yeah. Right? So um, I would love to be a head coach, but with my career, it's been hard because, um, you know, the um, the instability as a player. Yeah. You know, the, the lack of trust the organizations have in me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, for me, it's a little harder. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I think we've kind of, you've grown out of that. Yeah, yeah. You've done some, a, lot of, a lot of good things for the community, I'm sure. Um, but there's a lot of players in the NBA now. I'm sorry, former players yeah. that are now head coaches. I think Steve Nash is yeah. a coach. For Brooklyn, is it? Yep, head coach for Brooklyn. How's have you? Did you ever have a coach that you played with? Yeah, I'm Luke Walton. Actually, um, my last year with the Lakers, yeah, I played for Luke Walton. Yeah, and when I was with the Lakers, we had, we got a championship together. He was like the backup small forward. Yeah, how was that? So is it is that kind of weird? Because I've I've had that. I've had a a teammate turn into a coach. Yeah, and it was a little a little bit weird at times. It, it was a little weird because I, I'm used to. You know, Coach Jackson, yeah, Coach yeah. Jackson putting me in the game. I'm the starter. Yeah. Luke come off the bench, right? And now I'm playing for him. I'm like, Coach, what do you want me to do? Yeah, can I get into the game? Because <laughs> yeah, he didn't start. 
and now yeah. he's the coach. Now he's the head coach. But I guess you don't necessarily have to be the best athlete in order to be a good coach. No, you don't have to. You just have to. For coaching, you just have to understand emotions and egos. Yeah, that's the main thing. Yeah, understanding everybody's ego. How, how are you gonna manage it? Did Did he do a good job with that? He said what? Did Luke do a good job with that? Yeah, Luke did a good job. I mean, you gotta pick. You gotta pick what the culture is gonna be and how can it fit for everyone. Yeah. You know, so every year it changes depending on the players. But Luke did a great job, and he played for Phil Jackson. His dad is Bill Walton. Yeah, exactly. So Bill yeah. Walton's a big hippie. Is know, he? Big hippie. Both of them. Phil's a hippie. Bill Walton's a hippie. Luke is a hippie. <laughs> is Luke still coaching anywhere? Now Luke, he left the Lakers. Now he's at the Kings. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're how old are you now? You're forty-one. Forty-one. Do you find it harder to stay in shape as you're getting older? Yeah, I mean, yes, extremely hard. It's extremely hard to just, you know, just ha- have a burger, have a couple drinks, and then not gain yeah. a ton of weight in three days. And then you have to, like, you have that burger, you have a couple drinks, and then the next day you got to go for that 20K run. Right. And grind it out. Grind so it out. When did you start noticing that? Like, for me, I think I was like, 35 when mm. I started to be like I can't eat like this anymore are you bigger? nah I mean I just started getting fatter mm. and just kind of like having to work harder to keep my diet the same because I know you talk about carbs and like you're choosing one thing or the other that's either like pasta or drinks yeah you can't combine the two yeah I can't combine alcohol and pasta like if you're going out like on vacation we're here on vacation you want to have pasta you want to have yeah. drinks but I literally can't because if I have a bunch of pasta every day and have a ton of drinks, I'm, I'm going to be over the 300 mark. Yeah. You know, and it sucks, but it's actually okay. And my wife is telling me that I kept blaming it on the alcohol, my weight. Yeah. And she said, no, it's how you eat. And now I see it, is, it was how I was eating. I think that, like when you're over 40, it's a combination of almost everything. You yeah. can look at a dessert and put the pounds on. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Uh, you just mentioned your wife, uh, Maya. Um, I'm not sure if everyone knows, but you met her up in Canada, right? Yeah, I met her at your club. Yeah, I met her up yeah, at, Republic at Republic in Vancouver <laughs> back in the day. On slow, I know what day was. That was on a Sunday. It was June tenth. June tenth. Remember the date? Yeah. That's quite. You were you're low key romantic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm good. I'm a. Yeah, definitely. I'm a Scorpio, uh, and literally, I was divorced a year before I met Maya. Okay. Because I met my first wife. She's a really good person. Uh, I met her when I was like 15. Damn. And we was together since I was 32, 17. Yeah, that's a long time. It was a good run. It was a long time. And then when I was. She was the first person I've been with. Mm-hmm. Had three babies with her. Yeah. But then, once I got a little bit of fame, I started to go a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of destroyed it. <laughs> and then um, we got divorced, and uh, you know, I was, I, I, it was, it was tough for me because I've never dated before. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, I, I never dated, and then I met Maya a year later in Vancouver. I was slowly getting over my divorce. And yeah, and I met Maya right in the public. Yeah, right away, like literally. Once I met her, I was like, I told my boy, I said, I'm going to marry her. For real? And he was like, get out of here. You ain't married her. Yeah, I said, I'm telling you I'm going to marry her. That's crazy. I hear stories like that all the time. People like, you just know when you know. Yeah. And like, that's the girl I'm going to marry or whatever. So that's great. That's awesome. Eight years in. Damn, that's been that long? <laughs> Eight years. Were you up? Was that in Vancouver? We didn't have the, the Grizzlies up then. Were you uh, up? 
I played the Grizzlies though. Hey, were you up? Were you up in Vancouver just on holiday? Oh yeah, so Nancy Grace, you know Nancy Grace, she's like a media personality. Oh okay. In America, she was doing a movie, and said, "Hey, come do the movie." I said, "I would love to," because I was trying to do entertainment. Yeah. So I went to do a movie in Surrey. Okay. I was in Surrey for twenty-one days. Damn, that's a yeah, long time to be on Surrey. <laughs> yeah, in Surrey. That's all I knew about Vancouver yeah. was Surrey. So I'm like, oh, Surrey's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people was like, you're staying in Surrey? I'm like, yeah, I'm staying in Surrey. Yeah, that's far away, <laughs> though, man. That's like an hour out of downtown. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, so if you, weren't to play, if you were going to play basketball, I know you're big into music, right? Yeah. Is that, you think, you're the other, pro, other way you would have gone? Well, like, the music is interesting because I love it. It's definitely, I would say, my second passion. Yeah. I really love being on the stage, but the problem is when you get involved in music, if you don't know the business, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of time. And the problem with music, you know, you're going to be in the clubs, long hours in the studio. I got like maybe 300 or 500 songs that I recorded. Actually? Actual whole full songs. For real? You have an album? You put Multiple, seven albums. What? I, t- I took them, yeah, I took them all off iTunes. Really? Yeah. How long were they on there for? One was for 10 years, maybe. And then my last season in 2015, yeah. I did three albums that year. <laughs> Put them all online. Like 15 songs. Yeah, like 15. Actually, my, the last album was my best album. So what, are you, are you, what kind of artist are you? R&B, soul, rap? Well, I hip-hop. love R&B. I'm inspired by like Eminem, Drake. I'm inspired by like then some of the hardcore rappers like Nas. So it's a little bit of everybody that I'm inspired okay. by. So when, and then when you know, if you're an artist, anybody that's an artist, once you hear the beat, it's that's pretty much gonna tell you what you're gonna do. Yeah. Um, unless you sign to a label. If you sign to a label, they're gonna be like, you know, you should go this route. This, I'm gonna find you this artist. I wish I had that. I wish I had people writing for me. I wish I had better engineers, better producers, because like my passion for music, it didn't reflect in the, in the music. Really? No, it it, it wasn't it wasn't quality. It's did, quantity. You just wasn't quality. Did you write all your own music? I wrote all my own music. You wrote One all song 300 I songs. Damn, I performed them? Performed a lot. I performed in Vancouver at some club on the top of a bar. What? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what year was that? When I, right before I met Maya, right? 2012. I was just partying and I was at a club. They said, hey, you want to perform? I said, yeah, I want to come perform. Went to the club on top of the bar to start rapping. Damn. <laughs> so why'd you take that all off iTunes? I took it off because, like, some of the words I was saying, I didn't like. Oh, okay. You know, some of it, a little, some was derogatory. Mm. You know, it's a little bit too, too much person. Then I was trying to get into, like, digital analytics and, like, business. And I'm like, mm, just get rid of those songs. Yeah. Some of the songs I just didn't was want it, wasn't a reflection hear. of the person you are currently. Yeah, it wasn't a reflection of the person I am currently. Yeah. yeah. So you think that that would negatively affect some of your business stuff? Yeah, I just think like, you know, if I'm talking to, you know, somebody at one of these big corporations for a partnership and then they hear one of these crazy songs, yeah. you know, I just like, I don't want to even have to explain it. Yeah. And I'm not selling millions of records anyway. Yeah. So fair. I'm like, let's take it off. That's a weird thing though, like as an artist you should be able to express whatever you want and that doesn't necessarily mean that's true that's the person you are you look at like a, like a ton of different artists Jay-Z Drake yeah they all have lyrics that are questionable but they're still respected yeah. so the other thing too the quality the quality mm-hmm. I wasn't happy with the quality because like when I play basketball 
and I was one of the best defenders. So when I'm, yeah. when I'm focused on defense, I get up in the morning, I eat good, I eat oatmeal, I go train, I run, I do everything I got to do. Yeah. You know, so I could be a really good defender. But then with the music, I wasn't doing that. Right. So it took it was neglected versus like now in the tech business, you know, I'm like nitpicky. Oh, what's it? OCD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About everything. Micromanaging, right? Yeah. I'm trying to put my all into it. Yeah. With music, I put a lot of passion, but I didn't put like my all into it for it to be successful. Okay. So it was like disappointing hearing a lot of the music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's tough. Yeah. (laughs) So I just took it off. So what do you what are you keeping busy with now? Like what are you what do you got going on in the business world? Man, so now it's just I was um like when I retired I was really scared because I'm just like oh 18 years I've been playing ball right and what I'm gonna do right because it's not like I can just go get a job because of my history yeah in the NBA so the next day I just called UCLA and I, I, I signed up for school like actually the next day the next day at the nighttime I was struggling. I was actually struggling, just like up, just like, oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? Yeah. Really scary, actually. And then the next day I just said, just go to school, go to school, go back on the grind. So I literally downsized my life, cause I, you know, in the NBA you get a big check, reoccurring check. Yeah. So I just downsized everything, I brought a Prius, <laughs> I got the apartment, <laughs> cause I knew if I don't really make money doing this, yeah. you know, I don't want to be overspending sure. like cool. I'm in the NBA. That's smart, that's smart though. <laughs> so I, I like downsized my whole life, I went back to school, uh, business analytics at Concordia Irvine on Saturdays. I did digital analytics at UCLA. I did social media at UCLA. I, I did Google analytics in Vancouver, actually. All right. Yeah, I did a course of Google analytics and just trying to figure out how to use the athletes, um, uh, I would say fame, to turn it into cash. Totally. You know, how can you do that? And then take a business and sell a business. So. I wanted to learn, and that's what I did, and that was like, I guess, six years ago. Okay. And um, then I was trying to raise money, people was telling me no, I didn't know what I was really doing, and I was like, do you give up, or do you keep going? So I just kept going, and then I decided to, you know, uh, you know, really, really just buckle down, focus, and so now I got X-First Exports, we raised about a million two for it, um, which is great, because I didn't have to spend my own money. That's an app, right? It's an app. Yep, okay. Xverse Exports, a basketball app where you can find uh, people at your skill level. Okay. Play games and get paid if you choose. Oh. You don't have to be a, prof- a professional. You can be a recreational player. Okay. And get paid to play, which is exciting. Um, and then also, I don't know if you know Canelo Alvarez, the boxer. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we have I have a business management company, and uh, we do like his taxes, his reconciliations, and um, I, I invested in this company maybe four years ago. Cause I wanted to help athletes and um, different things, so we have that going. We have like three NBA players, a baseball player, um, real estate um, billionaire, real estate guy. <laughs> that's just we just pay their taxes, pay their bills, reconciliate. Yeah, Cause so that's, that's going cool. That's got to be like you hear the the horror stories about you know people in the NBA, NFL, yeah. professional athletes who have the wrong people around them, yeah. and then they're making millions and millions of dollars, but then they end up going back because yeah, yeah. they don't have good management around yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So that's what you're kind of, this that one venture you're talking about is kind of helping with that? Yeah, it was really because really of me, because when I was coming up, I didn't have nobody that wanted to do what I wanted to do. So people were saying, okay, you're going to make money, you're going to save, 
And my thing, I'm an aggressive person, just naturally. So I, I want to invest. I want to. Where's it? How can we make a billion yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever the case may be? And I didn't really have anyone to, you know, that fit me. Yeah. You know, whereas I was, I was just a standard. I was just standard. Yeah. You know, we just you know saving money, be conservative, which is good. So every athlete's different, as you can see now. They're investing in tech. LeBron did Blaze Pizza. Kobe invested in body armor before he passed away. Shaq was doing a bunch of things. Ring, he invested in Ring. This wasn't possible years ago. Yeah. Because the corporations wasn't really giving us those opportunities, mm -hmm. and the players didn't know that you could invest in Google. Yeah. Players didn't know. Crazy. Right? Crazy. So did you figure this out on your own, or does there are they starting to teach the players a little bit more now? Well, if you if you're a team owner or league owner or commissioner, you're not going to sway a player to go with a manager. Yeah. Because it's just illegal. But they have classes, like financial literacy classes, a lot of them. Okay. Versus before they didn't. And then when you talk about like diverse portfolio, most people are going to be conservative. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of players want, you know, they want to have a diverse portfolio, some, some private equity, you know, some small caps, some little bit of everything. Yeah. Right? So... It's all about finding that right person that can help you, you know, like kind of live your dreams, you know, through investing, yeah. you know, for, for the most part. That's awesome. Yeah. I bet you've heard some super interesting pitches over your, yeah. over <laughs> your life. You know, like, what, do you remember any, like, some interesting ones or random ones that were just, like, just completely out of left field? Man, I, I mean, um, I think... Because I've seen you on Shark Tank. Yeah, Shark Tank was cool. Yeah, Shark Tank was cool. Are you, still, are you still part of that company? Yeah, yeah. That what? company was... Um, actually, when I left digital marketing, there was just classes that helped me a lot. Cause I was trying to find digital marketing agencies to, you know, push products and different things. Yeah. And then this company was a part... It was like one of a hundred companies with a digital marketing company. When I, when I went in there, they gave me the shirt. I put the shirt on. I'm like, man, this is comfortable. So they weren't even pitching you. you no, just, like, not even pitching. Just put on a shirt. Just put on a shirt. And they was there, and they was like, that's what we need. <laughs> I'm like, what you mean? That's what you need. <laughs> so then they gave me 5% uh, of the company, yeah. which is like really crazy. And then um, we was coming up with these concepts, and then we went to Shark Tank. But Shark Tank, we had to wait online at 5 a.m. Uh, we did everything everybody else did. Yeah. You know, and they called us, and... And Robert Ajavak invested, so that was yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. We got some other interesting, crazy ones over the years. Like, um, actually, my friend from my neighborhood said we should do deodorant for your testicles, right? <laughs> right? For men's <laughs> testicles, right? And I'm like, man, get out of here. But now, if you see all these men products, yeah, they got like, time, right? Like, your woman has the products for there's a lotion, like 20 lotions for your face night face, day yeah. face, sun face. Shadow face, <laughs> water face, it's crazy. So, I mean, why not? Why not? But now I see they have these products. Actually, it's coming yeah, out. Go, yeah, they have these products where you could just full body men spray. I guess uh, spray, yeah. Under <laughs> your nutsack. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what are, like, have you had any, what are your pet peeves about business and like whether it's like people pitching you things that really make no sense or yeah. just trying to get you into invest in something yeah. just because they know you have a little bit of money yeah well for me when I first started pitching because I was initially trying to get money from investors mm -hmm. and they turned me down turned me down I'm like why they keep turning me down it's because I didn't know what I was 
doing. I didn't know what I was pitching. So now I get it. Yeah. So now when when I'm looking at investing, I'm looking at the person like, is this guy a good founder or girl? Are they good founders? Can they yeah. carry it through? Can yeah. they see it through? And it's not a pet peeve, but it's really hard to give your money, you know, to someone you don't think can see it through. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's my personal pet peeve. Yeah. Because, you know, there's so many people out there that are raising money and that's their only job. Once that money is raised, they're done. They get their piece and they're out. And then you have no idea. You wrote a check. And you don't know how this company's doing. You don't know what's going on. So I personally fucking hate that. <laughs> it's a nightmare. And a lot of guys have pitched me that way. And yeah. I've, I've, you know, they sell the, they, they, they do a great job of selling you this dream and this idea. But once they get that money and they raise that capital, they're it's, done. Yeah. It's done. It's yeah, done. it's not good. No. But what are you going to do? Um, we talked about an idea that I pitched you. Yeah. We uh, have a name, but we don't really have um, a concept behind it. Right. And I right. think the name is solid. The name is definitely the name solid. Is solid. The Meta Factor. Yeah. I don't know what the show's going to be about. <laughs> Maybe it'll be your podcast. Another thing I was thinking is I know you, you're not great with heights, right? I'm not great with heights. So you know how like Fear Factor, you've seen that show with Joe Rogan back yeah. in the day? So what if the Meta Factor was like you pick a fear, like skydiving? And you get a bunch of people that are also scared of heights. And you mentor them. And they're like, if Meta can do this, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the Meta factor. <laughs> that would be funny, actually. Yeah, I mean, there's Getting mentored by somebody, by somebody who's like, scared for their life also. Yeah. Right? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, if you look at it like, you know, it's. I think people can kind of come together yeah. when you all have a common fear and then you're all kind of doing it as a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's a great concept, actually. Keep that name in the back of your head. Absolutely. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your come up um, back in the day. So you were drafted 16th? Yep. In 99? Yeah. Out of St. John's? Yeah. Because you're from that area, right? Yeah, I'm from Queens. So did you, were you gonna, were you looking at any other schools at the time or was St. John's always gonna be the spot? I was looking at Miami, University of Miami, then the University of Miami of Ohio, okay. which is in Ohio, yeah, yeah. Providence College, um, Notre Dame, and I was also looking at Princeton. Princeton sent me a letter. The only reason I was looking at them because I was just so honored to receive a letter from them. Yeah. But nice. then I don't think I was gonna go to Ivy League. Yeah. And then it was um, in St. John's. I committed to Miami. Yeah. You wait, wait, wait. Let's back it up here. Yeah. Did you commit to Miami because it's a, some, it's in Miami and you're gonna have a a good time they sold playing me. there yeah did you go down there yeah and they like show you around do that I've seen that movie Blue Chip or whatever I did with um, Rick Fox right was it like that it was amazing so we went down there I, I think I saw Luke you know Uncle Luke yeah the rapper right? so I was in a yeah the rapper so yeah. my, the people who took me on my trip in the strip club you know then the person who was guiding me because I wanted to be an architect that was my major when I was in college my first major okay so Miami had the best architect program out of all the schools. Yeah. So that's where I was going. But then the, the, the girl who was taking me around was just, she's really pretty. Yeah, that's not an accident. Right. So <laughs> when I was like, what school am I going to? I was, I'm going to Miami. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, go to St. John's. We're home. Just focus. Yeah. Um, so you, you ended up at St. John's just because it was closer to home, more familiar? Well, yeah, because it was home. And then also... 
I wanted to bring a title to, to New York. They had a good coach title. there, right? Yep. What's his name again? We had. I had two. I had Fran Fashilla. Yeah. My first year, he does ESPN commentary, and then I had Jar- Mike Jarvis. Oh, okay. And Mike Jarvis is a you know Hall of Fame college coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Then you got drafted to Chicago. Yep. Was it Chicago, you, 1999? Did you play? How many years did you play there? I was there like two and a half years. Was Michael Jordan there at that time? Michael left in '98. Ah. Yeah, Michael left in his last championship was '97. Okay. Then they had the '98 season, which was the lockout season, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I came in '99, so we had two bad years. Yeah. Be, you know, prior to Michael Jordan, just but he actually came to visit us one day. One day he came to the gym. Oh, how was that? It was great, man. He walked into the gym. It's like I saw a guy. Right. I was 19 years old. Yeah. And then Michael Jordan walks in. I was just like, damn. In my mind, I wanted to play one on one, kind of like super competitive. Yeah. Like, so I wasn't really smiling, but I was just like, over the top inside, over the top. Yeah, I can imagine. Because I, I just, I couldn't even speak. I didn't even know what to do. He was there. He sat on the table where you get ta- ankle taped. Yeah. You know, you get yeah, ankle yeah, yeah. this little big trainer tables, and he's just sitting up top, flopped up top. And I'm just sitting here, like, do I say hi? Do I say, <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> and he just kind of run drills with you guys? Or? No, no, he's just chilling. Getting his ankles tamed for no reason? No, no, he was just sitting on the table. Oh, okay. He was just like passing yeah, through. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, you know, it was a really, really good experience. Who were the mentors for you when you were first coming up in the league? My mentors, I would say, I mean, if it was anybody. Well, my brother just went to prison right before I went to college. Okay. So he was like my mentor. Okay. When he went to prison, I was kind of lost a little bit. So then I just started to um, kind of befriend more people in my neighborhood. So I didn't really have like a mentor that I would uh, use the mentorship. Mm-hmm. It was more just people saying, you know, Ron, do this, do that. You know, you're going to be okay in your career, but... I wasn't having conversations like yeah. how you should with a mentor. Yeah. You should use a mentor. So I didn't really have a mentor. Um, you know, it was by my choice. What about when you got to the league? Like did an older player kind of like? It was people. Charles Oakley took me under the wing. No. Okay. But I wasn't receptive. Really? No, I wasn't receptive to a lot of veterans. Is that because you were like you're young that you're the fucking hot new kid on the team? Actually, it wasn't the hot new kid. Cause I was real humble, easy lifestyle, but it was more. I was um, I was like distressed at that time, mm. frustrated, super de- super depression at that time. So I didn't want to bring anybody in my life. Yeah. So when the veterans like Reggie Miller, he, hey, let's go get some dinner. Let's do this. Uh, how you doing today? I was going through a lot at that time. I was always like turning people off. No, I can't go to dinner. No, I can't go to lunch. No, I can't go. You know, um, the shoulder practice and not letting people in. Yeah. It's better to let people in, I think. Everybody, when I look yeah. back, I wish I'd have been like, yeah, Reggie, I'll take you up on that. Or thank you for that, Reggie. Or, or Reggie, man, I'm not feeling good today. Uh, I, I need to talk to you. Yeah. I wish I would have did that. Yeah, it's crazy when you look back on your younger self, how you would kind of change things. Yeah. Like, you learn so much, like, between 20 and 40. Yes. And the amount, it's, it's insane. And then you went from Chicago, you got traded to Indy? Yeah, I got traded to Indy in 2002. Okay. Yeah, I got traded to Indy. And that's where you won the Defensive Player of the Year. That's where I won the Defensive Player of the Year. Nice. Yeah, it was it was it was actually really cool. I was um, transitioning. I was getting better as a player. Yeah. And then Indiana picked me up. First year was okay. 
We had we actually had to win five games in a row to get to the playoffs. That's Larry Brown's coaching year. That was um, Isaiah Thomas. Was your, that was your coach? Yeah, when I my first coach at Indiana. Damn. And he coached me for two years, and then the next year it was Rick Carlisle. Is, did Larry Brown ever coach the Pacers? Or he I, did. Okay. No, he did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In our era, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just tripping. I'm making sure. He was I on that team where the Pacers went to the finals. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then you're on the Pacers. You're doing better. Your defensive player of the year. Do you remember your first big purchase? Like your first, like I'm in the yeah. NBA now. I'm gonna buy a fucking plane. Yeah, <laughs> no, it wasn't that big. I think my first big purchase was um, I bought a house in Chicago for like two thirty five, two hundred thirty five thousand. That's that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, and I was only getting um, I was getting nine hundred ninety nine thousand my first year. That was my first contract. Okay. So then I got a house for my family. And I don't know nothing about houses. <laughs> nothing. I can't plumb. I don't know how to lawn, mow lawn. Nothing. Yeah. Still to this day. Houses you know? are a lot of work, like roofs. Yeah. And all that kind of shit. Roofs and saving money and you know different things. So I moved my family down. We all from the projects, and we be just we kind of destroyed the house. <laughs> In Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah. So I sold it. I had to put money into the house to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> And that happened like two times. But I would say houses are, I never had like an expensive car. Really? I mean, I, I, maybe when I was in my prime, I never had a car over 100000 Okay. With all my friends was like yeah. Bentleys, Lamborghinis. Yeah, and you're driving your Prius. Man, I was driving a, <laughs> I bought an $18,000 Expedition. I actually bought, I, I spent 100000 on four cars. Damn. That's what I did. I had an Expedition. Then I got a BMW old one. Yeah. And then I got a oh, um, excursion. Okay. I had a big excursion, <laughs> and then I had one other car. At the same time. And see, I just got it at the same time. Just, just paid a hundred thousand. Yes. Well, I, people needed cars in the uh, house. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So then I have to ask you about the malice in the palace. Yeah. What? Give me your give me your viewpoint on that. What the Palace is crazy. It was actually um, what happened at the Malice. Uh, a lot of things that people blame me for, or how they view me, was everything but the Malice. Because the Malice was anyone would have did that. Yeah. Somebody hit you with a cup. Yeah. Kind of punch you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. But everything else I was doing, my career, I was always getting in trouble. The year before that, led the league in technical fouls. Led the league in flagrant fouls. Yeah. Like the league of suspensions. Is that just the way, you, like the way you play, like with passion and like aggressiveness or whatever? Actually, but. it was more uh, just being frustrated. Yeah. It was it was more frustration than passion. Okay. Because the passion, I just want to win, play some defense, into the game, loving the crowd. But what I was doing was getting technical fouls, fighting, you know, getting flagrant fouls, which yeah. is too aggressive. Yeah. And it was all because I was this pressure I had off the court. Okay. I bring it on the court. So I, I couldn't separate it. Yeah. But Malice in the Palace, I was seeing a lot of therapy. I was seeing a lot of therapists at, at that time. And so how old were you at this time? I was 23. Yeah, that's hard. You're young. You're still, still growing. Young. You're still figuring out what's going on in your yeah, brain. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely young. Yeah. And then when, so when I got hit with, with the bear from the stands, I was pissed. Yeah, he blacked out. Yeah, and the crazy thing was, if it, I wish it would have hit me from another angle because I wouldn't have seen who did it. Yeah. When it hit me from that angle I was at, I seen exactly where it came from. Yeah. 
I mean, I, everybody said I hit the wrong guy, but I didn't. He bet the one that threw the cup $50. Really? That they could have hit me with a cup. They was drunk. Yeah. And I'm friends with the guy who actually threw the cup. Actually? Yeah, I'm friends with him, John. Like, like, you should like, have him on your show. Like, <laughs> after, like, after, like, how'd you guys reconnect? Well, I, re I reconnected because I was depressed. They, they suspended me for the year. They took all my money. I lost every endorsement deal the next day. For that? For that. That's crazy. Every single one. You got one. canceled all my before commercials. canceling was a thing. Yeah. Corporate cancel. That's crazy. That's a different That's crazy. It's, you know, it's different from people canceling you. Yeah. Corporate. Yeah. And I was I had about I had two commercials on ESPN, one on TNT, Carl Jr.'s, my own shoe, and everything next day. Boom, they pulled boom. that. Everything. All of that. Damn. Everything. So I was really depressed and I hated everybody. And then after a couple of years I said, you know what? It's just money, whatever. And I reached out to John. And then we I spoke John's to John's a guy. John Green. Okay. That's his name, the guy who hit me with the cup. And I was just trying to you know, uh, squash everything. Squash everything and my, my feelings about people. Yeah. You know, move on with life. Yeah. You know, move on with life. So, and we became friends. And he was pretty receptive about that. Yeah. Was he apologetic? Very apologetic. Yeah. Cause, Very. Cause he apologetic. probably knew what else, what happened after that. That's why I call him a friend because he's apologetic. If he didn't apologize, then I would have been like, all right, whatever. Yeah, you, you tried. Know. But he told me the story. He was like, man, let me tell you exactly what happened. I said, you know what? Please do tell me. Oh, so you heard that story about the bet yeah, from him. from him. Crazy. He told me about For the bet. For 50 bucks. $50. You should be like, you owe me all that endorsement money. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the crazy thing about him? He lost his job. Because of that? Yeah, that, that was one of the reasons. But he, he was also on AA classes. Oh, really? So he got in trouble. I think he went to jail for two months or something. Then he lost his wife Damn. after. So he was going through his own stuff, you know? Yeah. And I'm talking about, when you talk about life versus money, I was just like, you know, whatever. Yeah. We all go through things. Um, yeah. It's crazy how there's two, like, completely different lives, both having similar kind of, like, traumatic things going on yeah. outside of what actually happened. Yeah. The same. Is that around the time? When did you make your name change? Name change? I made your name change in 2011. So that was about seven years after. After that? Seven years after. So what, so what, what made you, what was kind of the catalyst for that to happen? The, the main thing was just, because I, like, so when I first wanted to make the NBA, I knew I wanted to make it. I idolized all the pro, all the professionals. Mm -hmm. Seeing them on TV and how they act. And that's what I wanted. Commercials and just like that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, so when I changed my name, I just wanted to view myself how I view myself. Okay. Not how everybody else view me. Well, I wasn't changing it for everybody else. I was always doing philanthropy. Um, even when I made it to the NBA, I was giving kids scholarships to high school, college, yeah. everything like that. You know, and that's the type of things I wanted to do yeah. in my career. So I had to really set the narrative for myself. So that's why I changed my name. You know, I, and, and I got into, well, that's like 2003 was the brawl. I was still going through things way before that. Changed my name in 2011. In 2005, 2006, I started to really understand therapy. Yeah. And then when I, when I finished all my sessions, I kept doing it mm -hmm. to go higher and higher. So then I got into meditation. I was getting into stretching, breathing, and I'm like, yo, this is amazing. Yeah. So then I got into Buddhism. Oh, wow. So then I turned to Buddhism like, 
2010. Then I was converting slowly. So Meta is a Buddhist name. Yeah. That's where I came from. Where and then I was going to do my last name also. I was going to change it to a Buddhist last name, but I just wanted something a little bit different. So that's how we just came over up these. Do you still um, practice meditation in any of those Buddha? Yes. I do not as much, but I do. Dude, I, I try to meditate. I can't. Like, I literally <laughs> try to like shut everything out, focus on your breathing, and all of a sudden I'll, I'll start thinking about what I need to get for dinner or what my workout is going to be tomorrow. Like, how do you how do you just shut off? Like, Man. I try to shut off and things speed up. You know what I mean? I can imagine. Well, in this day and age, it is because there's so much opportunities and you know uh, you don't want to miss opportunities and sometimes. I'll just shut it off. Yeah. And, you know, from a money perspective, I'll miss opportunities for serenity. Yeah. You know, which is not the smartest thing, you know, but I think your mental health is way more important than anything to me. Happiness is way more important than me. Yeah, 100%. You know what I'm saying? You could have all the money in the world and not be happy. Not be happy. What's the point, point, man? But I can't meditate. I'm trying to get... A balance, yeah, you know, and working with people you like, um, yeah, you know, that's what I mean? big too. That's big. Like, how do like obviously we're around the same age now with like smartphones, you know, you're accessible anywhere at any time. How do you find the ability to really kind of shut everything out, man? I'm, you know, I think, um, well, I do like to read poetry, I like to write, so I have something I can go back to. I really like looking at stars. So I can do that all day. Sometimes I go stargazing, yeah, and I'll just sit for hours. And some people can't do that, no. right? So I'll just go by myself. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I found things that I love. Yeah, that are kind of peaceful. It's kind of peaceful. Tranquil. Yep, definitely. Um, I I remember the first time like this trip, I left my phone, and I'm with my wife, so I can do it. But I did that a couple times, and first time it was really tough. Just you were people there on their phones, yeah, just exactly. sitting there. What are you going to look exactly, at? Exactly, exactly. What are you going to do? It's crazy right? because like people look at their phones like it's another hand. Yeah, <laughs> like you'd be sitting at dinner table and people are either snapping their food I or, do too. or texting someone. And when we were twenty, that wasn't I think wasn't a thing. Like yeah. cell phones were just kind of coming out. Remember like the flip phone, the Crazer or the Razor yeah, or whatever. Like it wasn't. You didn't have this little mini. TV slash computer slash phone slash camera slash everything just in your pocket. Yeah. So I mean, kids these days like you have kids, right? Yep. Are, are do they pretty? Are they pretty dependent on their phones? Are they on their phones all the time? My oldest daughter is not as dependent. Um, then my young my youngest son he's a computer science major, so he's all technology. Mm. So he's definitely dependent on technology. Then my oldest son, Ron, he's he's not as dependent on his phone. He's not looking on it all the time. Really? My youngest daughter, Diamond, she's all on her phone. <laughs> yeah, she's on that phone. Her friends, like TikTok, whatever else she's so doing. Yeah. Twitter or whatever. Yeah. You, you have an interesting story behind social media. You had your social media for a long time, yeah. built it up, and then you just shut it off one day, correct? Yeah. And then you went to get it back. Yeah. And you lost like all your followers. All the followers. <laughs> and you couldn't get it back. Couldn't get it back. And this is on Twitter and Instagram? So like, so I had Twitter when it first came out in 2009. I built my following up. 
Um, I actually had almost a million followers on Twitter one time. Yeah. And I deleted it because I was just on it so much. And then I was looking at the wrong things, you know, looking at women and all this other yeah. craziness. And it was just consuming my time. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> so I said, damn, I'm deleting it. So I deleted my Twitter, then Instagram game. So then I got my Twitter and then I got Instagram back at the same time. Okay. So Twitter, they give you back your followers. Okay. And when your followers don't see you in a while, they think you delete they fall them. off. Yeah, so they fall off. Yeah. They just go next one. And then on Instagram, I built my following up. I had about 200,000 followers the first time. Then I got really overwhelmed. And then I said, okay, I just deleted my Instagram. I thought I can get my followers back. Instagram said, no, you got to start over. So you started at zero. <laughs> so I started at zero. You're trying to reach people. And now I'm not as famous as I was. Because you were playing when I you first playing. had Instagram. And then yeah. you got it back after you left the league. And I, but I deleted my Instagram four times. Damn. Yeah. I, every time I got to about 150,000, I would just delete it. Did you do that on purpose? Like, there was that the threshold? You were like, okay, this is consuming too much of my time. Yeah. It's too busy, and I, I need a break. I needed a break, definitely. And then the last time that I got my Instagram back, my wife made me get it back. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't want Instagram. You know, I was missing a lot. She was like, you're missing a lot of opportunities, and my partners, and we missing so many opportunities. You got to yeah. use your social media. Yeah. My thing was... You know, let's just uh, let's just do business. I don't want to. I don't want to be an influencer. Yeah, it's hard though. It's like, really hard. Like nowadays, social media is basically marketing. Is all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's you necessary. It, you you kind of need it. You need so it. You need it. But you, if you use it for the right purpose, it can be powerful. Yeah, but I agree. If you use it for the wrong purpose, it could be powerful in, in, a, in a negative way. Yep, I like agree. With your Twitter, did you ever like get in like Twitter fights with people? I would never get in Twitter fights. I would get people sending me crazy messages uh -huh. because just being home in America and I attacked a white guy in the stands. Oh, <laughs> damn. Right? So people's like, ah, blah, yeah. you know? But I mean, I, that's the one thing that drives me absolutely insane about social media is everyone's a, a tough guy or yeah, whatever, yeah. Behind, when they're behind a computer and just typing things away yeah like half the time or even more than that the shit you see on social media they would probably never say to your face yeah probably never and, yeah. and that goes for you or it goes for like you know teenagers in high school yep. bullying people yeah and that's the one thing I think personally that social media you should have to get a license like you do f to drive a car because you go through whatever testing, whatever you need to do to show that you are responsible enough to use social media. Because social media is a powerful tool. That's true. So I don't know why. I think maybe in a couple of years it might be the way to go. But like people should have to be, you know, go, go through X amount of testing or whatever you want to call it to to be able to use social media and then if you misuse it it's like if you you get you get DUI when you're driving and you get your license suspended yeah and then you can't use your social media anymore and I feel bad for like kids that are like in high school right now like you've heard like people committing suicide or yeah. being yeah. bullied on social media and for what like it just it's just weird it's just weird for me because I never grew up with that like all the bullying that I experienced was in person yeah, and you can kind of deal with it. Right, 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 right. Like one person makes a comment, and then all of a sudden, someone likes that comment, shares that comment, and then right. random people you don't even know yeah. are talking all kinds of shit for whatever reason. They don't even know you. They just want to laugh. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
You mentioned Mike Tyson earlier, or did I? I, I did. They did. We both did. Maybe. What's that? Ex- you, you told me about a funny experience you had with him when you did. What was it you did with him again? Chunga. Chunga. Is that like how? Tell the people how how was that experience? Because I've never heard of Chunga. Well, Tyson's a great guy. Yeah. And Tyson I mean, loves holistic, um, medicinal yeah. drugs, yeah. recreational drugs. Yeah. Right, um, he doesn't really like hard drugs. Have you seen it in his past? Okay. He's not into that anymore. How long ago was this experience you had with him? And so, I had Chunga with Tyson. I would say maybe a month and a half ago. What? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty quick. Did he, did he have his fight with Tyson? Did huh? he have his fight with Roy yet? Oh, after right, right after that? Yeah, he's, yeah after. Went down to see him, and yeah, Tyson's a regular guy. Honestly, he's like, he's like one of us. Literally, yeah. you see him. People, he's such a big figure, yeah. so everybody would want to take pictures, maybe. But he's just like, you don't need to do that. He's chill, yeah. Just, yeah, out. but Tyson yeah, yeah. is chill, talk. He's regular, regular guy, and um, you know, so and me have these sessions with everybody come around, and sometimes I might bring one of my friends, just just talk about yeah things in life, and he's really smart. So we have really good conversations. And uh, but the chunga is it, it brings people together. It's very similar to DMT on a smaller level. Okay. I've never done DMT. Um, I want to try it one day, maybe. Yeah, I've done it. It's nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think I want to try it one day. But it's just like a big bonding session when you put the chunga in the marijuana. How long does it last? It it, it lasts maybe for a couple of days. A couple of days? Like you're not gonna be high, but you're gonna be enlightened. Okay. You know, it's going to make you feel really good. So, because Mike's into this now, so yeah. he's pretty spiritual, but back in the day, he's, I mean, I don't know the guy, but he seemed like he was a fucking savage, like a killer. Like, he was right. He was going out there to hurt people, obviously, yeah. and he's a boxer, and that's kind of his job. Yeah. But I think, well, you would know more than, than I would, but did he, like, hit a certain point in his career or a certain point in his life where he's like that's not what I want to do anymore and I want to kind of yeah well I said I met Tyson for the first time on a red carpet and this is right when he was doing um, the movie um, uh, Hangover Hangover okay. when he was like Hangover was when he was changing his life okay. at that point so I met him and he said hey brother Ron and I called my dad after that. I said dad Tyson called me brother Ron I was like this is crazy you know my name <laughs> I was 28 okay at that time and then you see him change his life over the time. He gave he gave me his number. I stayed in contact, and we just you know I just be vibing and um, and now you see him now he's a different person. Yeah. He he acknowledges who he was back then. Yeah. You know that and he was going through a lot. He was depressed. People took advantage of him. Yeah, hundred percent. Lost a ton of money. It was just a lot. Yeah, I think acknowledging who you were helps you become who you want to be yeah. you can't really ignore that kind of thing Yeah, it's a part of who you were and it is what it is you learn it from is. it you grow from it and you move forward Yeah, but that sounds like a fucking dope experience it is <laughs> are you uh, what other do you like when you meditate and do other things like that do you like use other natural like do you smoke weed to help yeah, you with yeah. meditating well you know um, so I like to smoke and drink when I'm feeling good yeah um, because you know alcohol is a, is a downer right yeah. so if I'm not feeling good I'm not gonna drink because I'm gonna feel worse yeah it's gonna like 
make that feeling amplified. Yeah. So I I I, I just won't I won't drink yeah. if I'm not feeling good. And then also if I'm not feeling good, I won't smoke. Yeah. Because I don't want I don't want the the drugs to make me feel better. Okay. Or the alcohol because it's not gonna make me feel better. That's true. Only that's gonna make me feel better is me. Yeah, that's that's right? smart. <laughs> so I just won't do it. Um, and when I'm feeling good, that's when I love to have a drink. I yeah, love to have a drink yeah, and enjoy yeah. the moment. Yeah, well, that's good. That's, you know? that's a smart way to look at it. Yeah. Because a lot of people look at it the other way and, like, they're having a bad day. They want a drink to, like, help them get over right, it. Right, right, right. Or they're hungover and they want to smoke a joint. They help them. They think it'll help them get back to normal. But I mean, maybe if it's, like, a work problem. Maybe <clears> your <throat> boss said, you know, you're not doing a good job. Yeah. Or whatever. You, you need a glass of wine or that's fine. But yeah. it's, like, something internal. Okay. You know, like, depression, frustration, maybe even family issues, something like that. I don't think I would try to drink no. to put that under the rug. Yeah, I don't think that works. No, it's not, it's not going to work. No, you're going to end up in a worse spot than <laughs> yeah. you were when you started. End up in a worse spot. Fucking, yeah, and it'd be crazy because like, one drink could get you in a big argument mm-hmm. with whoever, and that literally could change the course of the relationship. Yeah. Just that one... One drink that was, slash conversation. So that's going to change the course of everything. Yeah, but that's funny the way the world works. Like these, if you sometimes I wish I had like two or three of me, and then each one could live in a parallel universe. Where I, in this world, I have this conversation. In this world, maybe I say this. Uh-huh. And another one, and then I could see how it pans out and be like, I'll choose that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't really do that. But it's funny you say that because that is so fucking true. That's so fucking true. Um, you left the league 2015? Yeah, 2020, 2016. So by the time you left the league versus, versus the time you got in, you've obviously changed as a human, changed as a player. Now, some of these younger kids coming in, did you take any of them under your wing? Did, yeah. Did you see anyone that was kind of like you when you came in and they were maybe struggling through some things? Well, I, I didn't see anybody that was like me, but when I was younger, I didn't really talk to the veterans. Yeah. You have to go to the veterans when you have problems because mm-hmm. you see them more than your family. Yep. So I, I didn't do that. I regretted that. Then I also wasn't <laughs> making relationships with my teammates. Which I regret it. Yeah. You, know, you should always have relationships with your teammates. So then when I got older, I tried to just start making relationships and I tried to reach out to the younger guys. So the younger guys, you know, like Julius Randall, D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, all these guys, I was like a big brother to them. Yeah. And it was because that relationship is really important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got a better relationship with those guys than I have with other players. Yeah. You know, because I wanted to make sure, like, you know, you can't change what happened in the past yeah. with relationships, but you can, you can, you know, um, kind of change what's happening now. Yeah. So I would do more with the guys. If they needed me, they can call me, different things like that. And um, I really took those relationships really, really serious, personal. Yeah. Yeah. So they took, they were pretty receptive. Yeah, to very receptive. Very res- I had a few guys that I had to kind of get on their case because, you know, when you're in the NBA, is the highest level of competition, and you gotta have some type of respect. Even though I didn't have much respect, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm like, no matter what I did, I, you, you gotta have respect yeah. for your teammates. Yeah, I wish I was a, I wish I was a better teammate. 
when you were coming through. When I was like in my prime. Yeah. I wasn't. The, I was not a great teammate at all. So I was a good team player. Yeah. But I wasn't a good. You talking about like off the court or like kind of connecting with your team? Bonding, connecting, understanding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because like you said, like it's you travel with them. You're at the same hotels, same arenas, same planes, eating three meals a day with them. So you do see them more than your family. See more than your family. And it's got to be pretty, pretty difficult to like kind of shut that part out. It's true, and everybody's going through stuff. Right? Everybody's everybody's going through the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so, do you keep in touch with any of the players? Still, like, do you I do. still? They're like lifelong friends, brothers. I got a few like Elton Brand, um, Lamar Odom, you know, uh, Jordan Clarkson, Nick Young, uh, yeah. Lou Williams. Couple guys that I really stayed in contact with. Yeah. And then some guys like Jermaine O'Neal. We got the most history together yeah. in terms of my relationships with other players because me and Jermaine was um, that team, we was the best. Yeah. You know, and when you got a chance to be the best in the, in the NBA, it's not many, not many opportunities. No. So I have like this connection with him because yeah. we played together. Yeah. Um, he's only a year older than me, but he was like a big brother. Yeah. Like an uncle. Like, you know, he was always trying to keep me straight. Yeah, you need that though. I think. Yeah. Especially, I would imagine in the NBA, there's a lot of distractions. A lot of you can chicken go sideways on you pretty quick. Yeah. So to have that kind of like mentorship seems fucking huge. Um, is there any advice you would give to your younger self? Like, if you can go back in time as 41 year old Meta and talk to 20 year old Ron, yeah. what would you tell that person? I would definitely say, I would say, don't let the lifestyle make you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was it. Because once I, I never had money, and I wasn't even into girls yeah. when I was playing. I was just focused on basketball. Yeah. And I got money, and the girls coming. Yeah. I was just going crazy. Yeah. Right? And then, like, then in L.A. is different because then now that comes, like, a different and, level of yeah. of, of of a woman, <laughs> right? So, I and then I let that consume me. Yeah. So then that's why I was like, okay. I remember when I was seventeen, just ten years ago, I wasn't even into none of this shit. Yeah. So just get back, <laughs> just get back to what you was doing. But that has to be probably one of the hardest things to deal with as a young player coming into the league. Yeah. Like all these new distractions that maybe you haven't thought of before but you know exist like you know the, the girls the money the partying and all that like, how do you even avoid that you i know a lot of people who did which is I, I used to ask them like how are you not going out yeah with us right now yeah how do you never go out with us a lot of people but then for the most part you're not around the one you need some people yeah and then you need a drink yeah we're only human like we want to and you deserve a drink. Yeah, you're, we're social hum, you're social people. Yeah, social people. So, you know, the best places to go is the club. Yeah. And then when you start drinking, then, you know, I think the best of you might come out, but you might not be thinking in the right state, and you could be consumed with that life because it's so much fun. Yeah. Partying at this celebrity's house, at this club. Yeah. You know, we used to go to Vancouver when I was when we first started. It was amazing in Vancouver. You know, and then um, that becomes your life. And then it's hard to backtrack. Yep. It's hard to be like, okay, 
I'm just gonna buy a Prius. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you've done it. <laughs> you've done it. It was really hard. Yeah, I bet. When I got a Prius, people was people was like, "Are you alright?" I mean, yeah, I'm alright. <laughs> well, Larry David has a Prius, and Larry David's a fucking man. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to like remove my mind from everything, like everything that I've experienced in NBA. I just wanted to shut it off. Yeah. I didn't want no parts of it. And did you do that? Was that like a overnight boom done? No, or was it took that like a, a while. process? It took a while because when I made that decision, you know, just last month I was going to the club. Yeah. Going to this, going over here. Yeah. You know, and getting in trouble or whatever. And so it just took a while. Yeah. It took a while for me to get used to it and be comfortable traveling by myself. Yeah. You know, different things like that. Did you go, did you make this decision with another teammate or did you just, did you have anyone to help you along the way to kind of, avoid those distractions I think I did you know I think I did with the people that I had in my life like just being more receptive you know uh, and being more humble yeah you know um, and then even like when I called my agent and said hey I want to coach I'm going to be a head coach one time he told me he said I don't think this is going to be possible really a lot of things are humbling yeah so a lot of yeah. things I have to think differently I wasn't I didn't have the same opportunities in corporate America like my other colleagues yeah so I had to think about things from different angles yeah so everything started to become more humbling yeah also so I said okay but I said I, I can deal with this I can get through it yeah yeah, yeah. if you come it. out the other side you're doing pretty well yeah get through it yeah well good for you man yes sir uh, I just want to ask you a couple um, random questions to wrap this up on that game you taught me the other day oh yeah because <laughs> me and Tommy were playing until like 2am so spades I need to know a few things because I'm pretty sure you cheated. <laughs> Who can play a spade? Like, when can you play it? Can I play it right away? Right. Or do you have to only when it gets cut? Yeah, you can only play a spade when it gets cut. So, in that hand or... In that hand. So, if I, like, say the first round of the game, can I play a spade? No. 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 Say someone plays a spade that round for whatever reason, then someone takes a book. Yep. Can that person start the round with a spade? You can start with a spade. So for once it gets cut, then you can play. It's free play, yeah. Free play. Okay, noted. When you get caught cheating, which Tommy did, yeah. what is the penalty? Four books. Okay, I had that right. That doesn't seem like a big penalty. It's a big penalty. Because that's you like go, worth 40 points, right? Yeah, because if, if you go six, yeah, and you get four books taken away... Oh, so whatever you claim, you're going to get... At the beginning of the round, yes. you take four off of that. Four. And now you lost 60 points. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what I didn't do. Yeah. Um, who can uh, blind bid? Oh, so if you're down 100 points, there's yeah. a couple ways you can do blind. But you got to set the rules before people play. So you could, um, if you're down 100 points, then you can go blind seven or up. Yeah. So a blind seven is 140, blind yeah. eight, 160. If you have no books in your hand, yeah, and you, you can go a zero, and you can get a hundred points. Okay, that's called a, a nil, nil. But you have to be down. No, so if you bid zero, you don't have to be down. Okay. If you bid zero, but you, is you that blind? A, it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a nil. It's a, it's like a blind, but it's a, it's a nil. Okay. And um, if you look at your cards and you say, "Oh, I don't got no books," yeah, I'm bidding zero. Yeah, you'll get a hundred points, but you can't make a book. Damn. If you make a that's, book, you lose 100 points. That's pretty hard to do. It's it's, it's doable. Yeah. And my last question on and this. And then the, I mean, the other one is blind nil. Blind what? Blind nil. Okay. 
So if you don't look at your hand and you say no, and you say I, I'm going zero, that's you get two hundred points. You you usually want to wait until this person goes, this person goes, and this person goes. Oh, so you could they they're all saying they're how many books they have, but yeah. you haven't looked at your cards yet. Yeah, look, if, if it's twelve books, there's only one book left. You say okay, I'm bid zero. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and are all jokers considered spades? Um, it depends on who you play with. So some rules, if you play with two jokers. You're gonna take out the two of hearts and the two of clubs. Okay. If you don't play with the jokers, then you keep the two of hearts in, and keep the two of clubs in, and it'll be no jokers. But if okay. you're playing with jokers, they spades. I knew it. Yeah. And you have an app, or who? Do you have an app, or did your homie have? Oh, an Dwayne app? Wade. He has an app called Spades. Yeah, Dwayne Wade got a. It's called Spades Wade or Wade Spades. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those of you listening who have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. Download that app and figure it out because it's a pretty fun game. Hell of a game. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. How can people find you now on social media? What do you have? Do you have Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, definitely. Follow me at MetaWorldPeace37 okay. on Instagram. Okay. Definitely download the Xverse X-verse Sports app. Xverse Sports? Yep, XVSX Sports. Okay. Um, and you can go to the XverseXports.com and at Sports everywhere. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Um, yeah, and then um, my Twitter is at MetaWorldPeace37. All right, that's pretty easy. Yeah. All right, brother, thanks for coming on. Thanks for Appreciate having me. your time. Go yes, enjoy sir. that sun, my dude. Yes, sir. All right, bet. Put it out the coop at the lot. Tony for a 12-fuck swap. Buzzing all the bells out the box.